0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Lutheran Handbook. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so we've mentioned the Lutheran Handbook in the past, but we've never actually talked about it directly.
0: Which is amazing to think about.
1: I know, because many times I've been sitting in your office trying to figure out what a topic should be, and I'll (laughs) flip through it looking for ideas. Yep. But we've never actually talked about the book itself, (laughs) which is wild. (laughs)
0: Let's fix that.
1: (laughs) Okay, so what is the Lutheran Handbook?
0: It is a cheeky little publication put out by Augsburg Fortress. Okay. And it came out, oh heavens, maybe more than a decade ago, as part of the Here We Stand curriculum for confirmation.
1: Okay, the same place where you can get those fabulous Here I Stand socks?
0: Different, actually. Okay. So the Here I Stand socks come from oldlutheran.com, if they still have them. But the Winking Luther, Lutheran Handbook comes from Augsburg Fortress. And I think other places, you can get it other places now. But originally, it's an Augsburg Fortress publication. And Augsburg Fortress is a
1: direct publishing house for the ELCA? Correct. It is
0: our denomination's publishing house.
1: Okay. So they're the ones in charge of the content. It's not some third party generated a little too risque kind of covering of the (laughs) Lutheran church, correct?
0: No, it is ELCA tongue in cheek. I mean, there's plenty that's like silly and kind of pokes fun at us a little bit, but it's still solid content with a solid base to it.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the content. What kind of stuff is in here?
0: You get everything in the first Lutheran handbook. You get everything from the top 10 Bible stories to what you should bring to a church potluck based on region of the country, to how to survive a boring church service, to the history of Christian denominations and a comparative chart of denominations, Wow! to the Lutheran church year, the church calendar year, Mm -hmm. and how that flows to, um, what else is in there? How to,
1: it's how I learned about the armor of God. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yep. The armor of God
0: is in there. Mm -hmm. The difference between law and gospel is in there. It's just chock-a-block full of randomness. So who is it for then? I think originally it was created as a tool for confirmation students. So aiming kind of upper middle school to lower high school ages. So maybe eighth through 10th grades age range on that is what, like 13 to 16-ish? Sure. But it's also really great for anyone who's wanting to learn about the Lutheran faith. It's tongue-in-cheek, it's silly, and it's solid. Yeah,
1: there's some good information in there.
0: I think it came out at the same time as those survival guides. Do you remember? I do. Like how to survive a shark attack. Mm -hmm. Those books were really popular at the time. And it was like a year or two after that. So they probably started writing it when those books hit the market and went so hot. And it was a great new resource. So do you have a favorite section then? I have used lots of different pieces of it in various different ways across the years. I think it really depends on what you're trying to teach and what you're trying to get at. Like if you're working with someone who thinks that church is stodgy and boring and that people who are at church have no sense of humor, then, yeah, I totally bring out the what to bring to a Lutheran potluck based on region. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's hilarious. It's like, you know, your filler is going to be cream of something and your meat is going to be ground beef in this region and tofu in California. Mm -hmm. And it totally mocks us all in a silly and lighthearted kind of a way. It also helps you know that in the Midwest, they're going to call it hot dish. But in the East Coast, they're going to call it casserole. Mm hmm. And it, it just pokes fun. So I'll use that to kind of break the ice and help kids and new Christians sure. feel less intimidated. And then we start looking at the meaty portions, like the comparative religion chart. Because when we look at the comparative religion chart, particularly for newer Christians, I'm talking adults who are coming to faith and are curious and maybe they do, or maybe they don't know the difference between the flavors of Christianity. It really helps to look at, there's two resources in this book. There's the comparative religions where it kind of gives you a little bit of information about each one and basic concepts that we hold. It helps explain the difference between Missouri Synod and ELCA and Wisconsin Senate as well. So the different kinds of Lutherans get explained. It also shows a timeline and a history breakdown of how the church split and came back together. So for someone who's coming from perhaps an evangelical background, who has been non-denominational through their entire life, understanding that there are other Christians, that Lutherans and Roman Catholics are also Christian, Mm -hmm. is a first step. For many evangelicals, as they're using the term on Twitter in those kinds of places, our first learning and then how we relate to one another and how the shifts and changes over the last 500 years take us through and find our relationships to one another, it's all in that little chart that you can use to start a conversation and start to orient yourself in church history it can be incredibly helpful.
1: I found it incredibly helpful. You gave one to my son when he was starting to go through this whole confirmation mm-hmm. process. And it was fascinating for somebody who grew up Catholic, where basically you're just told information and told to spit back the same information and learn it by rote. To see something that has a much more lighthearted look at stuff was, was wonderful as a difference in how the approach can be to religion from denomination to denomination.
0: Totally. And that silliness, I think that humor does hold for our congregation and oftentimes for our denomination, that ability to kind of laugh and have fun with things, laugh at ourselves for not being as obvious with our praise. You know, there's a section in there about singing a hymn and Mm -hmm. how to show praise and how to raise your hands up or not raise your hands up and that it's okay. So not only is it kind of poking fun, but it's also giving permission for people to worship and experience worship in their own way. And for people like myself and yourself, Mm -hmm. we come from outside of the tradition Mm -hmm. And we didn't grow up in this. And so there are parts of this also that help those who are from outside of the tradition learn what some of the inside jokes are. Mm -hmm. I think it might explain what Ludafisk is. (laughs) Which, (laughs) especially if you're in the Midwest,
1: is very helpful information.
0: Right? And. Like It's little pieces where sometimes the culture of Lutheranism that can get tied into German heritage or tied into Scandinavian heritage and can start to be closed off to those who don't know the history. Mm -hmm. The book kind of makes fun of that, but also teaches what that is and the base of it. So for myself... I know that learning those jokes and learning those kinds of, you know, oh, lutefisk, it's the piece of cod that passes all understanding and learning that it is cod that has been soaked in lie mm-hmm. and was a staple food for, is it, See, this is where I get in trouble, Norwegians <laughs>
1: or Swedes? Just go with Scandinavians. I'm not going to be able to correct you because I didn't grow <laughs> up with it either. But I will tell you this. If you have a choice between lutefisk and lefse, pick the Lefsa every time.
0: <laughs> so lutefisk is this piece of cod that has been soaked in lye in order to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And it became a staple food. And it's something that has an endearment to people. Sure. The same way haggis does. Right. You should not mix lutefisk with Lefsa which is another cultural food mm-hmm. that raises its head in many a Lutheran church with Scandinavian origins and is nothing but a potato cake. Yeah, it's the carbohydrate. It's the carbohydrate. It's like the, the Scandinavian version of a crepe mm-hmm. or a pancake. Don't turn down Swedish pancakes, <laughs> but feel free to turn down lutefisk, right? Yep. These little pieces are cultural, they're not theological. They are most certainly audiophora, Sure, but they are a part of the culture that sometimes can create insiders and outsiders. And part of the kindness of the Lutheran handbook is that it can teach some of that stuff alongside of the theological basis and alongside of the doctrinal kind of work that help you learn, not just the theology of the denomination, but also the people of the denomination. Have you ever
1: gotten pushback from people on this book that it's just too silly and it's not appropriate?
0: I don't share it with people who would think that.
1: Fair. That's fair. (laughs) Along those lines, have you ever used it for preaching then?
0: I don't know that I've used it for preaching. I may have referenced it, but I don't think that I've used it to actually specifically preach from. Yeah, I don't think so. What about teaching then? Have you used Often. it for
1: confirmation students?
0: Mm-hmm. More than confirmation students? Absolutely. Okay, I've used it for confirmation students. I've used it for adults. I've used it for new Christians, for new, no matter the age. I have given it to parents who are having kids baptized and okay. who may have questions. I've even sent it to people who don't Want to be a part of the Lutheran Church, but want to know more about what we are. Mm-hmm. I've used it, particularly the charts with the comparative religion or the church history, those kinds of pieces. I've taken photos of that and sent it to people who were really confused and were feeling really lost and confused about Christian religions who were not Christian themselves. So some of that material is super well laid out and accessible, which is a great treasure. Nice. Do you know if it's
1: changed in the number of years that it's been published?
0: Not that I know of. And to be fair, I haven't looked at it in probably the last two or three years. So there There has been a pandemic going on. (laughs) There's been a pandemic and we've been using different materials with our confirmation students. And so I haven't looked at it in the last couple of years. So there may be pieces of it that would not hold up over the recent like anti-racism work that we've been doing and the shift in languages around dark and light. There may be pieces of this that when we look at it again are so culturally insensitive that we wouldn't publish it now as it is. And... I think that there are pieces of it that have still some sticking power, and I would be curious to go back and take a look at what are those resources that stick, and what are those resources that instead of saying, well, this is accurate and good, we could say, here's how we can learn from this, see how it's using the language in this way. Well, in the last five years, we have begun to shift it in this way and use that as a teaching opportunity to recognize theological language, cultural language, all of those things are shifting very rapidly right now. Mm -hmm. And publications are not going to keep up. And so instead of just throwing out the entire book, I would want to work with students, no matter the age, to say, how can we look at this book, apply our critique, and learn our lessons from it, understanding that anything that gets to publication Like something that's published this year started four years ago. Sure. And the things that have changed in the last four years, I mean, you look at LGBTQIA language and it changes every year. Oh, definitely. And so how to keep up with it or how to access a resource for what it is and critique it for where it could grow or what we can learn from it, all of that would hold true with this book. So you think it's
1: useful enough that you'd like to see it continue to grow or at least be adapted?
0: I would still recommend it to folks, I think. I mean, I feel confident enough in it Mm -hmm. that I would recommend it to folks with the caveat that it's now dated. Sure. And there may well be pieces in it that we would look at now and say, ooh, and then could engage in a strong conversation about what that says about the denomination and where we're growing or where we're not. Interesting. Yeah, I would still recommend it.
1: Okay, so what I particularly love about this book is in addition to things like how to avoid getting burned at the stake, (laughs) you also have, as you were saying, these fabulous nuggets of how to console someone and how to Mm -hmm. cope with loss and grief. Mm -hmm. It really is, if you have a chance to find one, flip through one, a fascinating mix of a little bit of everything. There is something for everyone in this book.
0: Totally. Totally. And there's another one that's like the Lutheran Handbook for Pastors. Really? That takes things and goes a little deeper. Okay. And starts to talk about things like what is the difference between an alb and a chasuble? What is a mitre and a crozier? And does all kinds of taking things one more step.
1: And I'm guessing that's something that you have to know where to get or you have to be
0: ordained to find? No, it's on Oxburg. Anybody can pick it up. Okay. I have one in my office if people want to peruse it. (laughs) Okay, that's going to lead me to
1: my last question. And I have an idea of how you're going to answer this. But the question really boils down to, do you like it and do you feel it's helpful? And I'm guessing the answer is
0: yes. I do. And I think it's helpful. And as with any resource that is more than two to three years old, we should always look at it, understanding that there may be pieces that we shift and change Mm -hmm. as time, knowledge, understanding shifts and changes.
1: Now, how do you reconcile that with the Bible itself and going back and looking at versions of the Bible? Do you go back and revisit which version you're reading in church the same way you should something like the Lutheran Handbook or not so much?
0: That is a great question. And perhaps that's a deep enough question to take that to another podcast episode. Fair enough. Let me think on that and let's take that to another episode. Well, stay tuned, listener. (laughs)
1: And on that note, thank you very much, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Lutheran Handbook. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As
0: do I, and thank you all for listening along. If you have a favorite section of the Lutheran Handbook that you would like to share with us, feel free to drop a message to us on Facebook, on the post, or send us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.